Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, one holy church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I just took serious thought about what would be the first words out of my mouth at our first gathering in 12 weeks and felt compelled to read the Apostles' Creed. This is a statement uh, that the early church leaders wrote to help people remember and state what they believe and to be unified around those things. And I'm grateful to be unified with you today. I believe God is in this place. If you're watching online from home, I believe God is in your place. God fills heaven and earth. And so, hey, 1015, would you just give a warm welcome to those who are watching online today? And so, hey. Okay, we're returning to this series, When Faith is Hard, looking at the life and faith of Elisha uh, by looking at how to find something when you've lost it. I wonder if you are like me and you are just baffled by how often you're looking for things you have misplaced. Come on, anybody, I cannot believe how much of my time is spent looking for things I've lost and driving home to get the things I forgot. And what totally just blows me away about it is how often I'm actually in possession of the things. Like I drove home and it was in my truck and I've looked for my glasses while I was wearing them. I've looked for my phone while I was talking on it. I've looked for my keys while they're in the lock that I need to unlock. And don't look at me like I'm crazy. I know you do it too. I even checked with some people. I said, hey, am I, am I crazy? And they're like, no, you're not crazy. It's fine. We do that too. And so what I want to do is talk to you today about how uh, to find something about losing something else. Because there's a good chance for many of us who are followers of Jesus Christ that at some point in your faith journey, you may feel like you've lost passion for God that you once had. And maybe it was at one time you had a deep, settled contentment and joy in being a follower of Christ. And somehow along the way, you have lost that. Maybe at one time you had great faith and you prayed and believed God for things, but now... uh, You're not praying for much of anything. You're not even sure what you believe about God right now. You had something very important, but you lost it along the way. And faith may be difficult. Faith is hard for you right now. And so that's what I want to 
help us with today as we look at this, as we look at the prophet Elisha, I believe scripture can help us this with this. Let me remind you where we've been. In week one, we talked about burning plows. In week two, we talked about digging ditches. In week three, we talked about gathering jars. And today, we're going to look at what is maybe one of the oddest miracles in all of scripture In fact, if you look through and survey the different miracles that Elisha performed, there were some really big, important miracles. He healed a poisoned body of water, which saved a community. He raised a boy from the dead. He provided for a widow who would have lost her two sons after she lost her husband. He healed a commander of leprosy. He blinded an entire army to move forward the things of God in a battle. He did all these significant things. And in this miracle, a younger prophet uh, who borrowed an axe is chopping on a tree when the axe head flew off and landed in the water. And so Elisha takes another stick and throws it in the water and the axe head floats to the top so the prophet can grab it out of the water. And we go, wow! what does this mean? And so that's what I want to look at today is what is up with this. And so there's a couple significant things before we get into it. And one thing that you need to know is that iron was very valuable at this time and it was hard to come by. So this younger prophet uh, who lost the axe head, he's actually a student in this company of prophets that are learning from Elisha So this is like a broke college student eating ramen noodles who's borrowed this thing and he can't pay it back. And so Elisha brings it back so the guy doesn't have to pay it back. And if you remember, Elisha was mentored by Elijah. And there's a lot of parallels in their life and their ministry, but they were very different people. They were different from one another. Elijah was into the spectacular fire and rain. Elisha was more silent Elijah dealt with princes. Elisha uh, dealt with common people. Elijah did not die. Elisha did die. They represent both aspects of the rapture. Uh, The living will be caught up with the Lord. The dead will rise again. And now we see Elisha is mentoring the next generation of prophets who wanted to learn from him. It reveals his popularity. It reveals that he was a great teacher. He was a man of deep character. And that's where we pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. The company of prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. And so he said, okay, go on, do it. But then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied, and he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. So chop, 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 bloop. And he says, oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. Don't you hate that? Don't you hate it when you borrow something and it ends up getting broken or lost? I I realize when I say this, that I can't ask to borrow anything ever again from you, but this happens to me all the time. And it's just the, oh, it's just a sinking 
feeling. I remember one time we did a series called Refuel, and we wanted some props for this series. So uh, from a friend of a friend, I went and borrowed, isn't that the worst too, when a story starts with a friend of a friend? I went and borrowed, he collects uh, like old gas station pumps and like vintage pumps that would be outside of a gas station. And so I went and borrowed a couple. He was kind enough and we had him up on stage with a bunch of other stuff. And the last week of the series, the last service, afterwards we were getting ready to load it up and then a teenager uh, comes up and he wants to crank the handle on the side. But instead of doing it like a normal human being would, (laughs) I'm still bitter and he knows I love him. Uh, But he came up and he just grabbed it and pulled it straight out and broke it in half and broke the handle off. And oh no! And it's just, is it the biggest thing in the world? No. Is it the biggest problem in Elisha's day? No. But it's just that sink, literally that sinking feeling of this getting broken. So what happens? The man of God asks, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. And here we see God willing to work in a small detail in someone's life. And, you know, the Bible encourages us to pray about everything. And I have found that it's not that I think things are too big for God. It's that often I'll think things are too small for God. God doesn't want to hear about this. I'm not going to pray about this. And God has to remind me, Ryland, it's all small to me. There's not like a thing too big or too small because it's all small to me. Psalm 34, it says, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him, that the God hears us. But there's one major point that I want us to embrace internally uh, that we're going to come back to again and again in this message. If you're taking notes, here's what I hope you'll see, is that God knows how to help you find what you did not mean to lose. God knows how to help you find what you did not mean to lose. That those of you that lost something in your faith, you can be reminded today that we serve a God who is totally into restoration. God knows how to help you find what you did not mean to lose. Now, as we talk about losing the axe head or losing the edge, what we'll do is see how we could symbolically apply this to our life. And the big question that we're asking ourselves this weekend is how have you lost your spiritual edge? How have you lost your spiritual edge? And some of you may be able to immediately say, "Uh, I haven't. I haven't. And if that's you, we celebrate that with you. I encourage you to continue doing what you're doing. And I'm so glad your faith is passionate and alive today. Uh, But there are times in the Christian life in the life of following Jesus, that are more faith-filled than others. And some of you might honestly say there was another time in your life where you were more into the things of God than you are today. And so I would just ask you, encourage you, to ask yourself, specifically, honestly, I even gave you a place to write it down. Maybe you don't do that now, but at some point this weekend, you actually write it down. How have you lost your spiritual edge. And before we go on in the text, give me, give me just a minute here 
to explore how you might answer this question. You might recognize there was a time when you had committed Christians around you to help build you up and pray for you and encourage you in the things that matter most. But when you look around now, that's not the case for a variety of reasons, because of the season that we've gone through or because of different decisions that you've made, and you've lost your edge because you don't have that. Some of you, there was a time where you enjoyed serving in church and you were thrilled to make a difference with your gifts, and sometimes it was hard, but in the end it was fulfilling and weirdness happened in the world or in life or you just got busier and you thought one day I'll get back into it but you never did. Maybe it was there was a time where you had a passion for prayer and now you pray over a meal or when someone is watching but you haven't prayed just you and God in a significant amount of time. Maybe it's that you really loved to share your faith with other people but something happened along the way And now as you sit here today, I can't remember the last time I had a spiritual conversation with someone who's not a follower of Jesus. Maybe there was another time in your life where you were freed from a lot of worry, but now you find worry creeping back into your life and you're no longer trusting God to work things together for your good, to work the disappointments, the changes, the turmoil together for good but you're only worrying about how things will affect you negatively some of you have noticed that your standards have eroded years ago you had strong Christian values and you thought hey I'm not going to do that I'm not going to watch that I'm not going to participate in that because it's not honoring to God it's not good for me but through some influences in your life you wake up today and wonder how did how did I get way over here Maybe it's that you felt a strong sense of compassion early in your walk with Christ, but you notice now part of your heart getting harder and not getting softer. How, how have you lost your spiritual edge? And these are hard days. These days are going to be hard on your faith. And please do not get me wrong. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm not saying that anyone is less than anything or less than anyone else because you're going through some kind of drought in your faith. It happens to everyone. You did not mean to lose your spiritual edge. And in fact, you'd love to have it back. That's why you're here. That's why you're watching this. That's why I'm preaching today. So what do you do when you're chopping away and The edge flies off. How do you get the edge back? Can faith make a comeback? So let's look at Elisha, the young prophet, and we're just going to apply symbolically two lessons about how to get our edge back. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. Be honest about where you lost it. Be honest about where you lost it. Be honest about where you lost your edge. Verse 6, the man of God asks just simply, well, where did it fall? Why did he ask him that? You know, I've asked some questions about this miracle. Like, well, couldn't Elisha see where the axe head was and he was able to do some trickery to draw it out? And the answer is absolutely not. The Jordan is very muddy. The bottom is very muddy, mire, It's murky water. There's no way he could have just looked in and seen where that axe head 
would have gone, well, is there some other way that he could have just gotten lucky with this thing? But no, he made an iron axe head float like a cork on top of water. It's a miracle. But first, so he asks, where did it fall? In other words, the axe head, it's not gone. It's just wherever you left it. Where did it fall? And so that's what I'm asking. I'm asking myself, I ask you today, where did you lose it? Where did you start to lose that spiritual edge? And you're smart enough to look back and see, oh yeah, I remember when I started doing this, or I stopped doing this, or I started listening to this, or I made this decision. But if you don't know, and you don't know where to look about where you lost, if you don't know where to look, I want to give you just a couple of insights of where you might want to look. And this just comes from years of helping people grow in their faith. That oftentimes one of these two things comes up. It's perhaps you have a secret and you thought your secret wasn't going to hurt anyone, but you didn't realize it really wasn't a secret because God knew. And it's hurting you because it's hurting your relationship with God now. And when you go to God for that passionate faith, there's shame or there's some type of barrier that you have put there through this secret. That may be one place where you started to lose the edge on your faith. Or perhaps another place you might want to look is someone offended you or hurt you by something they said or something they did. And it deeply disappointed you. And you've allowed part of your heart to grow hard, maybe even blaming God for what someone else did or said. They made the decision, but you're blaming God for that thing. Those are a couple places to check. But again, might be, might not be those things. Be honest about where you lost that edge. Then what are we going to do? Secondly, And this is going to sound very simple, but write this in. We'll talk about it. With God's help, take back what you lost. Take back what you lost. Because God knows how to help you find what you did not mean to lose. But finding it and taking it back are two different steps. So in chapter 6, verse 6, when he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it there, and made the iron float. Say these three words with me. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Remember a few weeks ago we said only God can send the water, but he wants you to dig the ditch. The next week we said only God can multiply the oil, but he wants you to gather some jars. This week only God can make the axe head float, but he wants you to lift it out. And there's this theme found in many places in Scripture. In the book of Philippians, Paul talks about working out your salvation. What does he mean? Some people take that to mean that we're working for salvation. No, no, he's very clear that God is working in you and we are to work out to show the fruit of it. That God works it in, we work it out. And then later in Philippians in chapter 3, he says, not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He wants you to take hold of what he saved you for. He wants, he saved you, he's redeemed you, he's revived you, and he's bringing life back within reach. 
And the moment you start to think, maybe I can reach out and take a hold of this faith again, there's going to be a voice in the back of your head that says, no, you can't get it back again. Like, it's been too long, or you've gone too far, you've done too much. You can never have it back again. You've lost the best of what you could have had, but it's not true. It's not too late. And you haven't gone too far. And it hasn't been too long. You haven't done too much. This is what God loves to do. He specializes in resurrections. So do what you can do and trust God to do what you cannot do. I'll say that again. Do what you can do. Trust God to do what you cannot do. Can you make an axe head float? You cannot do that. Only God can revive something. You can reach out and take hold of it. Can you create in your spirit a spiritual passion and faith? You cannot do that. Only God can revive a spirit. But we do know that faith comes through hearing, through hearing the word of God, and you can put yourself in a place where you can hear God's word so you can build your faith. You can choose to pray even when you don't feel like it. And I've found that if I'm only going to pray when I feel like it, all the enemy has to do is make sure I never feel like it. The commitment has to be stronger than the feelings that are going to come. Revelation 2, 4 through 5, Jesus is speaking uh, to exactly this kind of thing. He's talking to a church and he's saying, you've forsaken the love you had at first. And this is exactly what we're talking about. That it's almost like we can get comfortable with the fact that, yeah, Jesus saved me, blah, 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 blah. And now I'm going to kind of go do my thing. How do we get the passion back? How do we get the love back? He says you do three things. You consider how far you have fallen. You repent. And you do the things you did at first. So you consider, meaning you remember where it was you were. You repent, meaning you change your directions. Maybe you're moving away from God. You repent and move closer to God. How? By doing the thing that you did at first. And that's, I've told you before, this is good marriage advice too. How do you get the love back? How do you get close again? How do you get the spark back? Has it been too long? Has too much happened? No. You remember what it was like. You stop doing the things that took you away from that and you begin doing what you did before. Jesus says, go back and do what you did at first. In other words, if you want what you once had, you've got to do what you once did. And when he causes it to float, you reach out and you lift it out. You do what you can do. You trust him to do what you cannot do. And what we have gone through in our society, in our community, over the last few months, has a lot of people on edge. Like, maybe you lost your spiritual edge and you found a new edge. (laughs) And you're on edge. Maybe not you, but you feel it. You see it. I feel it. I see it. There there is so much offense and miscommunication and divisiveness right now. And the enemy's goal is to divide us. The enemy's goal is to divide churches, to divide families, to divide marriages, to divide friendships, to divide communities. 
And when we allow it to happen, it's a victory for the wrong side. But there's a verse in Proverbs 6 that when the enemy steals something, he's got to pay it back seven times. And some of you feel like you have been robbed by your enemy. But if you'll reach out and take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of you. You see this this encounter with Elisha. We're applying it symbolically to our life, but there's much more symbolism here. Dormant on the bottom of the muddy Jordan is our life. And at the fall, we became totally depraved. We went down to the waters of death and defeat, lost to God, no longer enjoying life, far from God. We try to find something to make life useful and purposeful. We travel we invest in our careers. We, we, we put our life into something to make our life feel and seem useful. We find something to do and occupy our time to drown out the futility of life and nothing satisfies. But God cut down a stick and he cast it into the waters of death. And that stick is the cross of Jesus Christ. And Christ bore our sins on that tree and came out of the waters of death and we can rise from the waters of death the waters of judgment through Christ in Christ placed back onto the handle of God's purpose and God's plan to say I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength God brings us out of a meaningless existence and the greatest miracle is to be lifted out of the mire, to be lifted out of the mud, to be lifted out of the depths and be given meaning in life through Christ. Raised, resurrected, redeemed by the owner, taken back to be put back into use as a tool for God in the kingdom of God. And what the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. In Deuteronomy 30, he's speaking to his people. It says, God, your God, will restore everything you lost. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from the places, from all the places where you were scattered. No matter how far away you end up, God, your God, will get you out of there and bring you back to the land your ancestors once possessed. It will be yours again. He will give you a good life and make you more numerous than your ancestors. God knows how to help you find what you did not mean to lose. Let's pray. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit uh, would do a divine healing work in our hearts today. And if you're listening, you, you would say, yeah, I've, I, I had something and I lost it. There was a time I was more passionate than I am now. I lost it. I want it back. You say, I want to lift it out. I want the spiritual edge back. I want it with interest. I want it with even more. Maybe right now in a moment of honesty, you just even whisper that and say that to God. Just say, that's me. I recognize how far I've fallen. I repent. I commit to doing the things that I once did. Now, there are a lot of people I believe this weekend, listening to this, who uh, you didn't have something and lost it. You're still back on the creed that we read at the beginning of the message. 
because so many of us go through life and we kind of believe in God, we kind of go to church, and we never fully realize that because of our sin, we've been separated from a holy God. But because of his goodness, God sent his son, Jesus, who was without sin, to become sin for us on the cross, to die, to be raised again from the dead, so that anyone who calls on his name would be transformed, spiritually risen, totally forgiven. And if that's you, if you'd say, I've never had any of the things that you've talked about today. I want to know the assurance that I belong to him, that my life is not my own, that I'm living it to bring him glory. Those of you who would say, yes, I need his grace, maybe you would just even whisper that wherever you are right now. God, I need your grace. I need your salvation. I turn from my sins God, I turn toward you. Pray, Heavenly Father, make me brand new. I believe Jesus lived a perfect life that I could never live. That he died my death in place, in my place. And he rose again so I could be risen. God, fill me with your spirit so I could follow you. Thank you for new life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.